Welcome to the second episode in Osborne Clark's Mobility as a Service podcast series, looking at various legal and commercial issues in Mobility as a Service, or MAS. I'm Marie-Claire Smith, a Senior Associate at Osborne Clark, specialising in all things tech, data and new mobility related. Today I'm joined by Katrina Anderson, a Senior Associate at Osborne Clark and specialist in consumer law. Katrina is going to talk to us today about consumer law issues that need to be considered within a mass ecosystem. It's clear to see the benefits of mass from a consumer perspective, as mass provides users with convenient, simplified, tailored and seamless travel solutions. Mass operators are looking to capitalize on this, but there are a number of key legal challenges, including from a consumer law perspective, to consider before getting started. So, for example, there are different consumer laws to consider if you are operating across borders, as well as transport-specific consumer-related legislation. And all of this can sometimes cause quite a headache. Katrina, can we start by giving a high-level overview of some of the key challenges a mass platform operator might face from a consumer law perspective? Absolutely. Well, I think the first thing that a mass platform would need to consider in relation to consumer law is how are the contracts going to work? So who is actually going to be the party selling um, the transport solutions to the consumer? Will that be the mass platform or will they be operating more like a marketplace? And that will actually be the transport provider, because a lot of consumer law in terms of um, compliance in relation to the contract and also the pre-contractual information will flow from that analysis. The problem with mass is uh, that mass ecosystems can be quite complicated. Uh, There's a lot of stakeholders involved and uh, often a complex web of contracts there. But I think from the consumer perspective, um, generally speaking, it does depend on the structure of the, the mass ecosystem itself. But generally speaking, the consumer's going to have one contract with the mass platform um, directly that will cover the the use of the mass platform and the purchase of that journey ticket so that ticket that covers the multiple modes of transport however when you're looking at the consumer's relationship in terms of its use of the transport services themselves there will also be a separate contract most of the time between the consumer and the relevant transport service provider. So, for example, if something goes wrong with the transport service itself, such as the service is late, perhaps making the user late for the next connection in its mass journey, then the platform operator is likely to want to carve out any such liability and direct the customer to the relevant travel provider under that contract that the customer will have with that travel provider. So so appreciating that this probably hasn't actually (laughs) simplified things for you, Katrina, um, are you nevertheless able to, to talk us through some of those key considerations in light of that sort of complex mass structure? Absolutely. And I mean, still to some degree does come down to that contracting party Um, and if there are multiple contracts so one with the mass platform and one with the the transport provider then each of those need to be considered separately Um, but the first thing that needs to be considered is the nature of the contracting party because there are certain exemptions under consumer law for what's known as passenger transport services now unfortunately 
this is not defined at an EU level, uh, which means that it will depend which member state you're looking at as to how exactly that is either perhaps not defined by the member state or the member state has defined it themselves. So it will be a, a case of actually taking advice in each jurisdiction relevant to the mass platform. But um, in very general sense, what was intended there was that this would catch the actual providers of the transport. So for example, a train operator or a bus operator, not necessarily someone who's removed like the actual platform. So what one would expect is that those exemptions to consumer law will apply to the contract where the contracting party is the actual transport provider, but not apply when the contracting party is the platform. So those contracts will be governed by the full body of consumer law. And it's worth mentioning that the reason why this exemption exists is because there is specific regulation that falls on parties like train operators that cover these points. Following on from that, you've got the pre-contractual information, which given the complexity of the structure here, it's worth noting that from the perspective of a mass platform, you may actually be dealing with two sets of pre-contractual information because on one hand, you've got the pre-contractual information obligations that will flow with the mass platform's own relationship with the consumer, but also given the way consumers are booking through the platform, it is quite likely that the transport provider will also want contractually to pass on any pre-contractual information requirements that fall on them to the mass platform because they don't actually have the ability to, to fulfill that because they don't own the interface with the consumer. That's really interesting, actually, because it relates to some contractual negotiations which came up in the European Commission funded H2020 research project, My Corridor, which Osborne Clark worked on and which we touched on in the first episode of this mass podcast series. But for those listeners who didn't catch that first episode, My Corridor was a European Commission funded Horizon 2020 research project looking at mobility as a service across borders. And Osborne Clark, as sole legal advisor to the project, advised on an array of legal issues and considerations that arise for a mass app and ecosystem, including from a contractual perspective. So my corridor developed a cross-border mass app, which was used in trials. And one of the service providers that the My Corridor Consortium looked to contract with was a ride-hailing service provider. And that ride-hailing service provider sought to impose quite specific contractual obligations on the My Corridor app operators in relation to pre-contractual information that needed to be provided by the mass app to consumers, particularly with respect to pricing and any extra charges that might fall due above the originally indicated price. So, for example, with a ride hailing uh, provider, additional charges may apply in relation to waiting time for multiple stops or perhaps if the consumer causes any physical property damage. These obligations related to providing specific information in advance to consumers and ensuring that consent was obtained from trial participants in this case with respect to any extra payments falling due that were above this originally marked price. As you say, Katrina, because the interface was between the mass app and the consumer. So if the My Corridor mass app didn't comply with these specified requirements, 
then my corridor would have had to reimburse the ride hailing service provider for any losses it suffered as a result of having uh, to reimburse a consumer. Mm. And that, that flows directly from the law because at law, a consumer, if um, additional payments are not brought to their attention and they don't give that express consent to them up front, that means they're actually entitled to a refund of those payments. So, And because it sounds like the mass platform was the party able to give that pre-contractual information, you can see why the transport provider wanted that to flow through under the contracts. Yeah, that's really interesting. So definitely something to look out for. Um, Will the new deal for consumers bring in uh, any further compliance requirements? Are you able to uh, <laughs> quickly give us a high level overview? Appreciate there's a lot to say on that, but, but generally speaking. Absolutely. Um, and there is a lot to say on this. Um, the new deal for consumers is the EU's flagship um, new consumer agenda. And the intention is really to effectively learn from GDPR and drive compliance um, with consumer law by upping the sanctions and bringing what's being termed as GDPR style fines, which are linked to percentage of turnover in. But it's also an attempt to update consumer law. Um, consumer law was largely drafted in the 90s. It didn't have it sort of was a response to a market which was quite different to today's market, which has much more complex online ways to sell to consumers, including mass platforms. Um, and the intention is to update the obligations to deal with some of those new business models. Um, so we, we have got all sorts of new obligations, um, which will be very relevant to mass platforms. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, so a lot to consider there. Um, able to talk us through any of those kind of key key obligations again yes as speedily as possible. <laughs> I will do my best and obviously all of this is hugely fact specific and it will depend massively on the contractual structure of the platform concerned and also what functionality is on that platform but I think the key issues that would be worth thinking about is um, there are new obligations which are being posed on online marketplaces so that's where um, the platform, the mass platform, facilitates a contract um, with the transport provider between the consumer and the transport provider. And if that platform is actually, if that contract is actually being concluded um, on the platform, then there will be obligations that need to be addressed in terms of online marketplace compliance. The other things that are worth thinking about is whether your platform uses what's called ranking. So that would be where if you're offering consumers multiple options as to how to complete a journey and maybe you're offering those in a list. So some are at the top of the list and are more prominent then, then that is what we call ranking. And in those situations, it will be necessary to provide information about why the list is presented in a certain way and to set out the main parameters of the ranking. Um, and then the final hot topic, I think, for the perspective of this audience is likely to be reviews in the sense that um, I imagine many mass platforms will show consumer reviews and there'll be a body of compliance that will need to be addressed in terms of reviews. So, yes, definitely a lot of uh, further compliance requirements there, especially if, if you're operating across borders. Um, I mean, what are the, the consequences of non-compliance? 
Um, well, the consequences, at least at the moment, if we leave the New Deal aside, um, in most jurisdictions, there'll be some mechanism for fining. In the UK, that is an unlimited fine. In the UK, for certain breaches, it's also a criminal offence. So that can be up to two years in prison for officers of the company. But the other sort of broad thing is very often the consequence will be that either the contract with the consumer fails or, as we've just talked about, the consumer has a right to a refund or the right to rescind a contract or terminate it or withdraw from it. All of these combined tend to result in, in one thing, basically, that the trader has to refund the consumer. And if you have a large number of consumers in this situation, this can get quite expensive. Um, there is also, in principle, the ability for damages in some situations. Obviously, going forward with the New Deal, um, what the EU is seeking to do is to make sure that the fines are not capped at too low a level. So historically, and, and currently in some member states, the fines have been capped at really quite low levels, like sort of 5,000 euros. Um, but going forward under the New Deal, which will be in place from May 2022, the the lowest cap that any member state can have will be 4% of turnover. So that that sort of protection, if you like, on fines will be taken away in many jurisdictions. Um, they're also bringing in this right for consumers to come together as a group to seek financial compensation, and that's across the EU. So we're looking at potentially quite large classes of consumers bringing actions for compensation, which could be very significant financially. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, definitely needs to be a priority ensuring compliance then. Are you able to provide us with any practical advice for mass platform operators? To just so they can ensure compliance? Um, absolutely. I mean, as we've talked about a lot in this, I think my first step would be understanding your contracts. I would be looking at um, the New Deal and thinking about whether I've got any of those hot topics in terms of the reviews, the rankings, the online marketplace, and maybe taking legal advice, particularly around online marketplaces, because that's quite complex. Um, but I would also just be looking back at my historic compliance, because one of the issues here is that you might have taken a um, risk based approach to certain compliance issues in this area um, historically, uh, potentially on the basis of fines being relatively modest. Um, going forward with the New Deal for Consumers, that that risk profile is going to be quite different and those risks should be reassessed in light of the increased sanctions. Thank you, Katrina. That was really interesting. I think we're going to have to wrap it up there, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would happily keep talking to you about this. I think the key takeaway for me is that given the often complex structure of a mass ecosystem, considerable thought and time needs to be dedicated to ensuring consumer law compliance well before the launch of a mass platform. And as user trust is central to the success of a mass platform, while some of these consumer law requirements may seem burdensome, actually being able to demonstrate compliance with these key transparency requirements of consumer law, for example, may even help a mass platform to gain user trust and confidence and grow its market share. Thank you again, Katrina. And thank you to everyone for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
If you have any questions or comments, please do get in touch. It would be great to hear from you.